Welcome. This is My Truth is a platform for honest, open conversations. The stories I share or that others share are often not spoken about or discussed, but once told, I believe they have the ability to shine a light on another perspective or a much needed conversation. These stories may make us laugh, some may make us cry, but together we will learn from one another and begin to heal. Because walls need to be torn down, masks need to come off, stories need to be heard in order for our truths to be told. This is my truth. Will you tell me yours? Hello, hello, podcast world. Welcome back to This Is My Truth. I am your host, Jesse Shreleff, and today I am introducing you to a rock star of a human, my friend, Rachel Seidman. Rachel and I have known each other for many, many years, and I was so honored when she reached out and asked to have a conversation with me on the podcast, and I admitted to her as we were having you know, the conversation about what we would talk about that I was embarrassed that there was so much of what she was revealing to me that I hadn't thought about before. And I, in having the conversation with her, it made me remember that that's the entire point of this podcast to share those moments where we've all felt alone or isolated to share our different perspectives and experiences so that we can collectively see other perspectives and viewpoints and beliefs and see ourselves and other people's stories and recognize that when we might be um, partaking in microaggressions without even realizing it, And so I'm so grateful for this conversation with Rachel because it opened my eyes to biases that I didn't even recognize that I had. And so I'm so grateful that she was able to shed light on those biases for me in a kind and compassionate way. And hopefully I was able to and will be able to do moving forward the same for her and for others now that I know. So a little bit more about Rachel. She leads a X billion global advertising business at Google. She's passionate about driving value for her clients, helping her team grow in their careers and creating an inclusive environment where everyone can succeed. She is deaf and has cochlear implants in both ears. Her experience as a deaf salesperson has significantly impacted and influenced how she engages with the world. She wants us all to include disability in more conversations, such as she's always happy to answer questions about her hearing loss. You can also reach out if you're looking for a speaker or panelist on disability inclusion or being a woman in technology. Rachel grew up in Cure Beach, North Carolina and went to Duke University for college. She loves baking, especially pies. She's made 57 pies in 2019. I'm so curious how many pies you made in 2020, Rachel. And she's an avid reader, reading 130 book, 132 books in 2021. Oh, you're going to have to tell me which are some of your favorites. Uh, Rachel is just such an, a gem of a human. And you can find her on Instagram at sideman.rachel. That's S-I-E-D-M-A-N dot Rachel. And on LinkedIn at Rachel Seidman. All of, the, all of that will be linked to the show notes, but... As you listen to the conversation with Rachel, I'm so curious what 
comes up for you. I'm curious what your takeaways are. I'm curious what you feel when you're listening to the conversation. Reach out, let us know. And as always, I hope our conversation helps you glean some insight into how you can reclaim your voice on your stories and speak your own truths. Enjoy the conversation with Rachel. Myself and Google terms years ago before we like moved to meets, I don't even like Google video conference or whatever the heck we were calling it, GBC, you had to like literally like go to an alias to like get your records. <laughs> like I think back and I'm like, gosh, like how far we've come. <laughs> really? True. All right. Right. All right. Rachel, I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It should be fun. Yes. Well, I always love to start these conversations by asking the question, what is the truth that you would like to share? Such a good question. Such a big question. I mean, I think for me, the, the truth is really that people aren't necessarily what you think they are. Uh, and I say that from a couple of different lenses. One, I am deaf. And that is a new label that I am sort of getting more used to. Before I used to call myself hard of hearing. I would say that's no longer necessarily applicable based on where my hearing is. But hearing loss is an invisible disability, especially because I have long hair and you cannot see my cochlear implant processors. There's that. I would take it from like other angles of like, you know, my mom's Colombian. I am Hispanic. I am also Jewish. And like, no one can really figure that out based on looking at me. I think you would just consider me ethnically ambiguous and sort of move on. And so I think there's just a lot to people that you don't necessarily realize until you start talking to them and asking them questions and getting to know them. And I, that's certainly the case for, for me. I love, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And I love, I love this because I think so often, right, we're quick to judge people based off of physical appearance. And, and I will own that in like, many parts of my life I've, I've done that. I've tried to make much more of a conscious effort as I've gotten older and have had children. Like, how do I unlearn a lot of that? And what you're also calling out, right, is like the, the identities and the labels that like you're consciously putting on yourself, that like you're coming into terms on your own outside of like what other people put on you. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm so curious, like I have my own journey with that. So I'm, I'm curious, like, I'd love to explore that more with you. Like, what has that looked like for you? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I think a lot of the labels that I've gotten have been like labels that, you know, were somewhat like labels that I chose, but were also very much like labels that society put on me. Like I grew up in North Carolina and I was Jewish and like that was very much out of the norm. I had people in high school ask me, hey, do you celebrate Thanksgiving? And I was like, Thanksgiving is an American holiday. Like, if Jews are American, yeah, they probably do celebrate Thanksgiving. Wow. Uh, so that was, you know, really interesting. And I don't think I would have identified, I think, quite as strongly as I do as being Jewish had I grown up somewhere where there were a lot of Jews. And maybe that would have been a different experience. Whereas I think there's, you know, the label of being deaf 
And that is something that I've really sort of dealt with in the past year where my audiologist was like, your right ear has really lost most of its hearing. And so realizing, hey, part of hearing or you know, hearing loss doesn't quite cover it anymore. It's gone beyond that. And I actually had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine whose husband also has hearing loss. And she was talking to me about some of the work that she's done with the deaf community. And she was like, yeah, you know, deafness can be a spectrum. And I had never thought of that. Like to me, it was either you, you can hear, you can't hear, which is really funny given that like, I basically could sort of hear for most of my life. And just the thought that a label can be a spectrum. It doesn't have to be black and white. And that's been really interesting, especially because I am a salesperson by trade. That is all about communication. And how do you say that you are a deaf salesperson? Is there such a thing? Can you be such a thing? And yeah, the answer is yes to both of those questions. But it's been really a journey to like take on that label and understand what does it mean for me and myself, especially because like I do have cochlear implants. That is a bit of a hot button topic in the deaf community. And I have to like fully say, I don't think I really engaged much with the deaf community coming from very much a hearing family and a hearing world. And that's just sort of where I personally wanted to stay. So it's been really interesting to figure out like what labels do I have? Which ones have I just taken on and which ones have been applied to me? That's, that's so interesting. And so like the way my brain works and you and I have known each other for many years, so you can probably appreciate this, but like I'm visually visualizing right this, like these worlds that you've like orbited and like sort of straddling, right? Like one foot in, one foot out, like testing to see like what fits right. And I love that notion of like, you know, the spectrum, because I think that's true for so many things, right? And so often we go straight to like black or white or like what we're comfortable with or what we know. And I think we were talking when we we're emailing back and forth, right? So I have a, I have a daughter who is neurodiverse but presents neurotypical, right? And so, you know, so often people are placing judgment or placing, you know, beliefs or stories on her intended or not, intentional or not, conscious or not, that you wouldn't know unless you're asking those questions and being curious. And, you know, you and I both having a sales background know that, you know, trying to get the, the heart of somebody is, is so important. But before we hit record, I was saying how embarrassed I am. I was like, I mean, how long have we known each other? Like, I don't know, many years. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know until you sent me an email that you, that you identify as Hispanic. And so like, I felt so embarrassed of like, here's someone that, that I know, and we would run into each other in the micro kitchen and have amazing conversations. And I never knew that about you. I never took the time to, to ask. And so I'm curious, you know, as we talk about sort of like the labels and the identities, like from your perspective, you know, how do you, how do you want somebody to engage with you in that way? Oh, that's a really good question. Because I think over time, certain identities have become more and more important to me, mm-hmm. um, especially like this like label of deafness, of like hearing loss. Like it is something that I really shunned for like most of my life. I was very much I I I have a problem, but I'm going to figure out all of the ways to make this not a problem for anyone else, and no one's going to know. 
No one's going to have to like give me accommodations. I am just going to figure out how to make this work. And I did that for a really long time, uh, longer than I think one really should have done that. And it wasn't until I got the cochlear implant, at least the first one, that I realized, oh my gosh, I've been missing so much. My life was so much harder than it needed to be. And I actually started talking about it. And so I do think over time, like things sort of shift and you know, what is important to you and what label or identity is important to you at that particular moment kind of changes. And I think that's also something that like we as a society need to be more open to. Because I think a lot of times you've you've talked to someone, you're like, okay, they identify as X, this is the bucket that they are in, but people change and morph and you have to let those identities change with them. And I don't know if that we always do that, especially with people that we've known forever. We're like, oh, this is my friend from college. I know everything there is to know about this person. I think you bring up such a such an important part too. And I'm curious for you, like I think about like my own journey with infertility and like it took me a really long time to get to the point where I was willing and able to talk about it. And now I talk about it a lot and right, it was part of the basis of the podcast, right? It was that I was able to share my story and, and people told me me too. And so I'm curious, like what that journey was like to make that decision, like you are going to talk about it. Mm. Uh, like, what did that look like for you? Yeah. I think for a long time, I just didn't want to really admit there was something really wrong. And I think that goes into like my career of choice. Like I chose to be a salesperson who can't really hear very well. Like sometimes I think back on my former self and I'm just like, very confused by some of these life choices. I'm really grateful for them. I love my life, but it's just very funny. I think it really, I was really willing to talk about it because one, when my doctor told me that I needed a cochlear implant, I had no idea what he was talking about or what he was referencing. And I, it's really a journey. Like you have to have surgery, you stay in the hospital overnight. It was a rough recovery and then they do it's like you've sort of become a robot in a way because they quote activate you after the surgery with the what is like sort of known as the processor which looks like a giant hearing aid with a magnet that connects to the magnet inside my head and that's how i can hear but it's not like glasses where you put them on and everything's in focus and you can see you have to quote relearn how to hear you're basically retraining your brain on hey, this sound is the air conditioning or that squeak is the letter S. And it was a lot of work. I would say that like for the first two or three months that I had my processor, if, if someone was speaking to me and I wasn't looking at them, I could not have told you if it was a man or a woman. It was just a voice. Uh, people sounded like robots for six months. Like imagine going to client meetings and like in one year, everyone sounds like Darth Vader. And that was really unique. And it's, it's something that just really changed my perception of myself because I was able to realize like how much I was overcoming beforehand and just really my perception of what I could do because, Hey, if I can figure out how to navigate meetings while dealing like with Darth Vader's and like figuring out how to hear, I could do a lot of things. And so I did just become really passionate about talking about it because I'd struggled with it for so long and overcoming it. And I didn't want someone else 
to have to go through those struggles. Like if I were to hire someone on my team who is hard of hearing, like I want them to know, like we are going to do everything we can to accommodate them and they're not going to have to ask. It's just going to happen. And that's really where I would like us to get to as a society, obviously not just for people who are hearing impaired, but just anyone who has some sort of disability or some sort of difference in how they need to engage with the world because advocacy is like usually on that one person and it's very, very tiring at the end of the day. And sometimes you just give up because you're like, it's easier just to go with the flow and not deal with this because I am really exhausted. Yes. Yes. I think so often I'm the advocate, right? Like it, the world is on their shoulders. And so I'm actually curious as you as you navigated that journey for yourself, and I'm just picturing some client meetings that I've been in and like thinking about the Darth Vader voice, right? Like, what was that like for you? Was it isolating? Did you, did you have allies? Like not to use like a buzzword, but like, did you have the support? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. So I have to credit of all platforms. Facebook. So on Facebook, they have groups. Groups are amazing because it connects you with people who you would not ordinarily be able to talk to. And so what had happened was my ENT and audiologist had said, hey, there's a guy who basically is your same hearing profile. So we start calling him my hearing twin. Like you should connect with him. You should talk to him about what that experience was like. And I did, and he said, hey, there are these Facebook groups because this type of cochlear implant was pretty new at the time. And so he was like, talk to these people, ask them your questions. And I don't think I could have gone through this without these random strangers on the internet who are like, it gets better, do your rehab, like being able to talk to them about some of my biggest fears, like, okay, this is my hearing now. My hearing loss is progressive. What happens then? What happens if I lose all of my hearing? Will this still work? Will I hear robots forever? Things like that. And so that was incredibly helpful because there was no one else in my work life or my personal life who understood what was going on and what it felt like and what it sounded like. And it's very isolating and frustrating, especially at the beginning because your hearing is worse than it was before. So yeah, I'm extremely grateful to that. And then I did have some people at work who were just amazing. Like the account manager that I was working with at the time, which is extremely, extremely supportive. And he had been supportive even beforehand. Like we would just have this moment where I would give him a look of like, clearly Rachel has not heard, does not understand like what is happening. Can you jump in? And so finding people like that in my life who are willing to just dive in based on like the look that we are giving each other has been really, really incredible. I love that. And you know, what you're calling out, right, is community, right? That like the sense of shared either experiences or feelings or, and, and being able to like rally behind that. And I think that so often that's not glossed over, but it's not given the credit that it, that, that it deserves, right? Like connection is everything and being able to feel seen and heard is so vital to us as humans, I think now more than ever. And so I'm so grateful that you, that you, you found those people, you found your people. Great. Truly. <laughs> and 
you know, it, it takes me back. So when I was going through infertility, I was, you know, in sales and traveling all over the world. And I remember making a decision. We had hired a new account manager on the team. And I was like, this girl, like, I have to tell her what's going on because like, you know, sometimes I have to like excuse myself from meetings to give myself a shot. Like so I'll have to cancel meetings, right? Like the end. So when you find those people where you're able to connect with, like similar to, to you know, and the AEA and bond is like special to begin with regardless. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think that that's so, so important and not always easy to find, especially when you have to make the conscious decision to like share something that's so personal. Yes. And vulnerable. Yes. I think the hearing loss is also interesting because in a way it's really obvious. Like it's clear when I'm not getting something and going back to sort of our conversations about like labels, like one of the things that happens often, at least from my experience, when you don't hear something is that people assume one of two things. They assume you're not paying attention and you're kind of flaky or you're just not getting it, you're stupid. And those are two things that I personally always really struggled with like having anyone think that about me. And so I think with hearing loss, I really, like I would tell people who worked with me like, hey, I can't hear very well. If you're gonna speak behind me, I'm not gonna hear you. Like, I don't mean to ignore you. Like, it's just that I don't hear. But I also think the other thing with hearing loss is that a lot of people don't realize is like, sometimes I could hear, but I couldn't understand because every like letter of the alphabet has a different frequency. And depending on like what letter you were saying, I may or may not get it. Lip reading can only take you so far. And so I think that has been really interesting in terms of like stories that we tell ourselves, because since I've gotten the cochlear implants, I'm much less scared that people think I'm flaky or that people think I'm dumb. Like that sort of narrative has gone away. Uh, also like, so what if people think I'm flaky? Like I'm trying my best, but for some reason I could never really get over that particular hump. I can understand that though, especially in the environment that we had surrounded ourselves by of a lot of overachievers. I get that. So you, you bring up a good point with lip reading. And so I'm curious, like the last two years, what has it been like? Oh yeah. Mass. Mass. Like, oh. right? Like, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, I could not have survived the pandemic without my cochlear implants. Like, there is absolutely no way, especially grocery stores. Like, grocery stores are just loud because there are people, there's carts, there's some obnoxious music in the background. Now, the person behind the like register is masked, and they're, at least in California, like, some weird plastic in between you two. So I, I could not have survived going out in public in like a mass pandemic. It was really hard, even like pre-pandemic, like you would go to the doctor and like doctors usually wear masks and that like removes lip reading. Uh, so for anyone who is still struggling with hearing loss, like mass pandemics are really hard. There are clear uh, masks where like it's clear on the lips so that you can lip read and my audiologist wears one of those and that's always delightful and I actually have a plan to get like a stash of those to like hand out to people as we go back to the office and what have you and just in case like we are in a situation where this is not gonna work it's like can you try this mask but yeah I just don't know how I would have done it without that 
Although work from home has been very helpful because as you and I discussed before we recorded this podcast, Google Meet has captions, which are both very, very useful and also hilarious because sometimes it gets names wrong. If you say a word that Google doesn't think you should be saying, it like gives you the stars, which is like great. Um, yeah, just sometimes I'm just laughing to myself because no one knows what this caption said, but it is amazing. It also removed a lot of the hard things about the office. Like you're in this giant conference room, you're trying to pay attention, someone gives you like a side conversation and they're whispering. Like that to me is the worst because I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I just like, can you just ping me? Like that would be so much easier. So yeah, I'm curious to see how that will be when we go back to the office. But one of the great things is that now Google in the conference rooms, you can put captions on even on the big GVCs, which is a delightful surprise. So. That is awesome. I remember the, the phone rooms, you could do that. Yeah, um, that's, that's great to hear. It, it, you're bringing up so many moments where I'm thinking about like, Oh my God, did I do that to you? I probably did that to you in a meeting at some point. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it's totally like, <laughs> but sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what you're saying. So if you actually care about me getting this information, you should repeat it at a later point. <laughs> like, if you're just being snarky about someone, we'll just move on though. <laughs> Smiling on. So I'm curious though, like based on that, right? Like, and like I said, like you and I've known each other for, for so long. And I actually think the first time I realized that you had cochlear implants was when you went on stage at mm -hmm. that event and, and had your, your, I don't know, speech, your, your Google version of a Ted talk. Right. And it's, again, like I had known you for years before that. And so I'm curious, you know, as you sort of, figure out your, your labels and your identities and like what you're comfortable with. And I, I'm like asking this question sort of selfishly because I've like been through this journey myself as we were hitting record, right? There's so much of my identity tied to Google and then tied to mom, right? Like how do I think about like reintroducing myself to people that I have maybe known for a very long time with, with these like labels that I'm choosing now, I'm curious, like, what that experience has been like for you, especially as you think about like going back into the office soon? Yes, it's a really great question. I think the thing that's changed the most is that my hearing loss is now something that I'm proud of versus something that I try to hide. And it's, I'm proud of it because I've done everything I've wanted to do in life in spite of my disability. And I've had immense amount of privilege to get the cochlear implants, have amazing insurance that covered the cochlear implants and like have great doctors who I fully trusted and a job who let me work from North Carolina for a month while I was like recovering from ear surgery. Cause it turns out you can't fly after that. So I think I'm just, I'm so much more vocal about it because I think it is now part of my identity versus something before where I just tried to ignore and pretend it wasn't there. And that has been a really, really interesting shift. So yeah, I actually talk about it now. <laughs> versus being like, what do you mean I didn't hear something? There's a lot of embarrassment 
with not being able to hear and I I've realized like that feeling of embarrassment has really gone away that feeling of shame of I missed it or I said yes when I should have said no or like everyone's laughing about something and I just did not catch like those moments are gone but I could I like every now and then I'll have one of those memories where I'm like oh god remember when that happened and it's just terrible <laughs> so it's really nice that like the cochlear implants are working as well as they are and like I can live the life that I do now and feel differently about the hearing loss. I'm curious, you know, you saying you're on this journey, like you're proud, you're, you're vocal. I love, first of all, I love it. I like goosebumps when you're, you're saying that, but like what outside of like getting the cochlear implants and maybe that, that is it. But like, I think I talked to so many women in particular that they're like, I can't get over the shame. I don't know how to like overcome it. Right. I, so like, what did that actually look like for you? Like where you got to the point where you're like, like, this is me, this is who I am. And I'm proud of that. It's a really good question. I think I realized how it's, it's funny, actually. I think I realized a lot of it in an interview. I was interviewing for a different account executive role. I wanted to switch teams. I knew that this job was like highly, highly competitive. I was in the interview and the battery for my processor died. And I was like, crap. And at that point, I think I only had, yeah, I only had one. So like, I was like, I really need to get a new battery. So I paused the interview, which I never would have done before. And I was like, hey, I need to get the battery for my cochlear implant. I knew everything I just said makes no sense to you. So like when I come back, I'll explain it. And I came back and I talked about it. And in that moment, I realized like my hearing loss has made me an incredibly tenacious and resilient person. Like I figure out what I need to do to make it work. And I'm like, I used to have a lot of colleagues tell me much like yourself, like, oh, I had no idea. Like you totally pulled it off. And like, I pulled it off because I figured out how to lip read. No one taught me. I just made it happen. I figured out, okay, in this situation, I need to sit in the center of the room so I can see everyone's faces. In this situation, I need to sit next to the person that I'm trying to like listen to and converse with. And I realized like it takes a lot for me to be like, okay, I'm done. There's like this is an insurmountable wall and I cannot figure it out. And I don't know that I would be as tenacious or resilient as I am without having to deal with my hearing loss. And so I think that's what made me really proud. And like in that interview, the interviewer was like, you know, this is a really tough job. The client doesn't really like us. Like, what are you gonna do about that? And I was like, dude, I figured out how to be a salesperson without being able to hear. Like my word recognition tests, basically like you've been the audiologist booth and like, they say words and you repeat them. And I only got 24% right. Like I figured out how to navigate Google, how to be a top performing account executive with that. Like I can handle the client. They're fine. And I think like that's what has really made me proud of. Like I can figure it out and I have trust in myself and it's taken time to navigate that. But like at the end of the day, I now have me and I'm pretty great. You're a rock star. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, so this is my last question, but what you were what you were just describing, it brings me back to what we were talking about earlier of like when you're an advocate for yourself, it's exhausting, right? Like that constant, like all of what you just described, first of all, I had like goosebumps while you were talking, but I, like I couldn't help but think like that's got to be exhausting. Like, really and exhausting. yes, it's made you tenacious. Yes, it's made you resilient, but like you have to be exhausted. And so the question that comes up for me is like, as a friend, as someone who's known you for, for as long as I have, and, and maybe has not always been like the best ally or, or sounding board or resource for you. Like how can, what, I don't even know the right way of framing this is like, you know, what do you want people to take away in terms of how to be the best support for you? And I'm sure it, it varies moment by moment, right? So like, how how do you want people to best engage and help if and when you want it to alleviate some of the exhaustion that's a great question and you're right all coping mechanisms are exhausting like before my implants i used to always wonder how people did stuff after work like people go to classes people had children they were taken care of like i could not understand how anyone had energy for anything other than work like i would come home and just crash on the couch and it turns out lip reading and trying to listen all day will take all of your energy, which is also funny that I just didn't realize that until afterwards. But I would say for, for me, the biggest, the biggest frustration that I have is when I tell someone, hey, I cannot hear. So in these types of instances, I'm going to need you to modify your behavior, whether it's like, please don't talk to me from behind, because that's much harder. My microphone's face forward. If it's asking, please don't mumble. My dad mumbles a lot. He will not admit that he mumbles stuff. So <laughs> there's that. Sounds like a simple to bed. Yes. So it's it's things like that. If I tell you and then you forget, and it is very easy to forget someone else's request. However, like I, I do have certain expectations if you're working closely with me or if you're like a good friend of mine. And if you just sort of blow those off that's when I get really frustrated. So like my big call out is if someone is telling you that they need support in a very specific type of way, please remember it, like jot it down if you have to, and then continue to show up in that manner. And if they don't need that support anymore, they'll tell you. We go, thanks so much. Good now. Like don't need you to do X, Y, and Z. I think remembering is really, really important. And I realize that like, my hearing loss is not your top priority, but it is my top priority. And I expect you to treat it as such. I think that's the perfect spot to end. Thanks. <laughs> Are you ready for some quick fire questions? I'm ready, let's do it. Okay. What makes you feel seen and heard? What a good question. I'm not doing this well on quick fire. <laughs> I would just say someone who's like listening. Paying attention. It's like clear that you're focused on what I have said. Love it. Finish the sentence. First thing that comes to mind. Connection is. Fun. Like it. And I'm trying to think the last question I'm going to give you. Based on what we talked about. See, now I'm not doing good with quick fire. <laughs> All right. I got it. Who taught you to be? My mom. Love that. 
Rachel, you are amazing. I'm so grateful that we met all those years ago and that we won't have the chance to run into each other in a micro kitchen. No, I'm really sad about that. I know. I'll have to make it out to San Francisco. Not like we did. Yeah. And then we can just, you know, meet each other in wine country. That'll be great. Even better. <laughs> Perfect. Sign me up. Thank you so much for this conversation. I have learned a lot and I appreciate you sharing your journey. And it's like I said before, you know, when we were just even emailing back and forth, it's really made me think about how I approach situations and how I create an environment that is inclusive for all. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I love that you created this space for people to share about themselves and be open and be vulnerable. I think we as a culture don't place enough value on vulnerability, but like every time I've gotten close to someone, it's because we opened up to one another. And I think that's what we have to do. Yes. So true. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If something in the conversation resonated with you, please, please share it with a friend that you think needs to hear this conversation. Feel free to tag me on social media. Let me know how you're listening, where you're listening and what resonated. Tag me at this is my truth podcast, or feel free to shoot me a DM. And because we're a new podcast and this shit matters, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review. Tell me how you truly feel. This entire podcast is about vulnerability and authenticity. So let me know how you really feel and give me some feedback. I really appreciate it.